0: Welcome to Loaded and Rolling. I'm your host Thomas Watson. Trying something new today. I'm back from vacation. Was there for a week and wanted to get rid of the traditional monologue and uh, cold open and try something a little more organic. And so, especially for this episode, one of the biggest things is small fleets competing against large ones. Competition. And uh, if you've been in a large fleet like I have. Uh, it can kind of feel a little unfair. So especially in technology in the TMS space, there's a lot more stuff come online to help give fleets an advantage. And so that's one of the cool things that we're gonna be talking about today. And we're gonna be bringing on our guest as well. Super excited to be welcoming Guillermo Garcia, co-founder and CEO of Smart Hop. If you don't know about them, uh there is software help fleets become more efficient and profitable. So we're talking like spot market analysis, booking, trip management, payment reporting, all that in a bag of chips. And so super excited. Welcome on, Guillermo. Welcome, sir. A lot going on in the space, especially for small fleets in this tough market.
1: Hey, Thomas. Uh, yeah, definitely very interesting and uh, for some exciting, for some others uh, struggling, but uh, definitely interesting times.
0: And you have a really cool story. How you got into, especially being the co-founder of SmartHop. Tell us a little bit about yourself and your history, and and what made you want to get into, uh, you know, the TMS and tech game, helping small fleets. So,
1: short story: I'm originally from Venezuela. Started my first trucking company there. Actually started as a pet food delivery guy. Turned that into a trucking company um, that employed um, around 500 um, uh, employees at at some point. Fast forward, 2012, decided to move uh, to the U.S., re- relocated to South Florida and started all over again. Unfortunately, nobody was there to tell me not to base an over-the-road trucking company in Miami. Terrible decision, had to learn the hard way, but uh, anyways, uh, I've been in trucking uh, since I can uh, remember. Love this industry, and more so, I love the people in the industry, there are hardworking women and men out there uh, just finding a way to live and to have um, uh, doing good for their families, well-being for their families.
0: And being having a Miami carrier, I wanted to ask this as well just before we, we dive into the main stuff here. Uh, what is it like when you are operating in a, in a market like Miami? Because typically you can get good rates going in, but getting out there and trying to find ways out can be like really challenging.
1: Yeah, don't take me to back to those days. Uh, <laughs> really, really painful. Uh, not only with loads, across the board, uh, if you think about insurance, uh, we had one time an insurance company telling us that they were going to stop uh, giving us insurance and that I had to relocate to Orlando, Tampa, or above just because they were uh, not wanting to do anything with the Miami-Dade area. And I can't, uh, I mean, I can't, um, just excuse them uh, for making the, that decision. its uh, I mean, they see the rates, they see what goes on uh, down there. But either way, operationally speaking, uh, Miami, South Florida as a whole is a dead end. A lot of freight goes down, not much gets uh, generated. And so you are always battling with this idea that you need to uh, really make um, a lot of money coming down because in most of the times, uh, you will have to dead haul to Savannah, maybe Tampa or above uh, just to start getting uh, the pain of the loads that you need.
0: And starting a fleet from scratch and now starting, you, you know, SmartHop is a company providing the technology. What were some of the things starting out, uh, you know, being a carrier, being in Florida? What were some of the things you wish that you had that kind of helped influence you as you helped found and now manage SmartHop?
1: So I started. Uh, I started from scratch. Um, the first big reality check: uh, I didn't have um, a, any records uh, on the DOT. They, uh, I mean, Venezuela is pretty much re- irrelevant uh, for the DOT for insurance. Uh, so I actually started under FedEx. Um, that was the only way that I could um, get myself into uh, trucking here in the U.S. And once I, um, I had some time, once I had uh, some experience uh, and record, I was able to jump into uh, my actual authority. And so uh, really I started from having one truck truck uh, I I was not driving that truck. So I was actually dispatching that truck. And so was doing uh, things very manually. Um, uh, and uh, I was relying on maybe five, six uh, brokers um, that I started to make a relationship with. At that time, I also choose uh, to go and uh, have DAT as a marketplace uh, to get more loads as well. So it was pretty me me, with me, uh, with a computer, uh, DAT, and a phone, calling every morning Craig from C.H. Robinson. He was based uh, at that time in uh, Chicago and saying, Hey Craig, what do you have? C.H. Robinson has a lot of volume. Um, going into the load boards. But at the end of the day, brokers uh, care for their business and that's how it should be. Uh, Do brokers really have the right incentives or are they aligned with what you need? Not necessarily, not every time. And so you end up making uh, decisions based on what some brokers or some people might recommend Uh, you don't have tools, you end up uh, using some uh, information that is out there. But at the end of the day, the U.S. marketing, we were focused on over the road. So how could you analyze a load that is going from Atlanta um, outbound, right? I mean, how can you analyze the entire U.S.? And you end up in making this like manual filters to say, you know what, typically, This area is not good to go out of. Typically, this other area doesn't seem to have good freight coming in or coming out. And uh, you start missing out on the opportunities because uh, you're not basing your decisions in real-time information. You're not basing your decisions uh, with the right tools. And they're so fragmented and you have so many levels of vendors or type of companies out there that, at the end of the day, that's what happens to most of the people out there, that it, that decisions are, are, are being made on quote-unquote experience. I've been in this market for many years, so I know that Colorado is always bad. Don't take your uh, trucks to Colorado because it's always bad. Uh, and that uh, ends up being uh, your Achilles heel uh, when you compete with others, specifically with large carriers.
0: Uh, that's such a great point, because you th- even when you're trying to pick loads, so I worked at US Express, I uh, did truckload network design for 2,500 OTR trucks, and it's such a different environment when you're thinking, i'm i'm taking 50 loads per week i've contracted freight drop trailer and i'm basically chaining valves it's almost like fluidity you know trucks will get bottlenecked but smaller fleets you don't get access to any of that so you're making a decision and it's like well i never go to this part of colorado i'm never going to go up to idaho but maybe you should have because the data is not there like i think you have a great point it's When you're a small carrier and and from your experiences, uh, is that one of the biggest challenges is compared to a large one, is even picking where to go? Because a large carrier normally has contracted freight, so they're thinking, what should I prune versus someone starting out?
1: Yeah, you know what? Uh, I I will take it one step back uh, on what you're saying that you're, uh, you're definitely spot on, but I think it begins with understanding ROI it begins with understanding that you need to invest uh, for you to be able to do better. And changing the mindset of uh, investment that will return versus everything is an expense. A load board is an expense, and this tool is an expense, and the other thing is an expense. Rather, what should I invest? Money, time, and resources that will actually impact my business. And so uh, given the scale and the size of enterprise companies at all levels, they have the luxury to spend money and they understand that for them to like really uh, make um, accurate decisions, for them to be able to have that level of knowledge uh, and capabilities they need to invest in those type of tools. And I'm not saying uh, which one is better than the other, I'm just saying that depending on how your operation runs, if you're mainly in the spot market, then what uh, does it make your business uh, more successful, and what do you need in order to make your business successful? And on one side is invest- investments in tools, on the other side is investment in relationships. Uh, you talked about contracted, uh, dedicated. I'm a firm believer that uh, a small trucking company should not rely 100% on the spot market. is It's not sustainable. It's very volatile when the markets are good. Yes, you're making a lot of money, Um, and probably you're making more money on each lane compared to the dedicated or to the contract, Uh, but it's cyclical. This industry is cyclical, and that will come down. Either you provision really well, and again, it goes back to investment. You made a lot of money when things were good, when times were good. Now you need to provision and invest because... Uh, tough moments are going to come. And I think it's it's about mindset. It's about how you think about your business, how you think about investing for your business to be successful in the long run and not necessarily on a load per load basis. Because if you think about your business on how much money do I get in this specific uh, load and uh, how much money am I going to lose in this specific lane and you're not seeing the big picture, then that's where uh, at the end of that period, call it a week, call it a month, call it a quarter, then that's where trouble uh, comes in.
0: And that's the biggest thing I've noticed. Uh, I got more exposure to talking with smaller fleets, mom and pops coming from a large carrier. I came from a startup where they started with one truck and they're up to 130 now. And that was the biggest thing that blew my mind was there's a lot of drivers who think these large carriers are out to get them. They think that there's either a fear of collusion or why is that this is happening to me. And I don't think they understand that most of these large carriers are operating. It's like an airplane. You're you're in a Cessna and they're 30,000 feet up in a jumbo jet. You know, if they're dipping into your airspace, it's because they need something. And I think these drivers with lack of technology, the lack of investment and the lack of knowledge, like you're saying, Uh, you're you're so focused on the week, you can't even see far ahead. If if you're looking to convince drivers, because this is one of the big things I've seen as well, skepticism on the tech. They're saying, well, I've already got my subscription to my load boards. I do that at the truck stop and everything. How do you overcome that barrier? Because I even struggled when we were starting out at AI Fleet, we were offering drivers like four to six a week or something to just test this automated software. And they're like, no, nah, I can pick better. And I was like, it just went through 2 million OD pairs in 60 seconds. I promise you, it'll help you out. And they're like, nope, I can do a better job. I I, I know in my head. <laughs>
1: yeah, definitely. And what what I always tell uh, very small fleets and owner operators is I think actually being a small fleet has a leverage, Uh, and what I mean about this is there is no way that US Express and the mega carriers could ever achieve the level of quality uh, of a very small trucking company. It just happens to be that if you're small, if you have 10, 5, 20 trucks, you're so into your business that probably your leverage would be that you get on time, that you're on top of your trucks, that when you meet and greet people on the pickup and the delivery, you're going to be way, way better than a company that has 2,000 drivers. How can you manage quality in 2,000 drivers? And I think that's part of the success, aside from CapEx, that's part of the success of FedEx Right. Having small fleets that care about their fleets, that care about their trucks, that that know that their business and their families rely on that. And I think that's actually a big, big plus. And so if you could have the same technology or better, if you are able to unlock the relationships that the mega carriers have, if we level the playing ground for those small fleets to compete at the same level as the big guys, there's no way that the mega carriers will be able uh, to survive in playing head-to-head. The reality is the cost of operation when you don't have the leverage and you're trying to do it all on your own is way higher, so you can't compete with the mega carrier that pays fuel on wholesale price. They pay cost plus, maybe cost minus uh, when you think about fuel and the uh, and agreements that they have with the big three, big four out there, right? And so I do believe that there is a way for those small fleets to build relationships. I believe, strongly believe, and that's why we jumped into Smart Hub, that we can give the tools and the resources for those small fleets that have just a handful of trucks to be able to compete, and to aim to grow. And I love the fact and the example that you gave on that startup that started with one and got to hundred plus trucks. That's possible, but you need to commit to investing. You need to commit uh, to making good decisions and uh, you need to be staying true to what you believe and how to operate uh, to be able to compete with the mega carriers.
0: That's such a great point. When I when we had service expectations, when you're a large carrier, uh, you're you're not. It's not like one customer. So imagine if you're in a market, you have Tractor Supply, Home Depot, Walmart, uh, you know, Procter and Gamble. They all want to be the customer you service, but you can't service them all because you may not. The variance means you're never gonna have perfect service. A small fleet though, on a service expectation, uh, those five loads per week, I've got every driver assigned to it. You are the customer. So that's something that. I think we we don't hear a lot of is the the opportunity. Do you have an advantage? And I think the tech part is something that we're sleeping on because I started I started back in fourteen. Uh, mega carriers have the technology stack they developed since the early two thousands. We know the tech's been there, but it's been cool since starting at Freight Waves uh, to see this explosion and technology for smaller fleets. And that's one thing I like bringing you guys on, talking about what you're doing, because I don't think drivers have realized yet that the tech is there or just as good as what large fleets have. They just haven't, you know, the the message is getting caught up in the noise where it's, you know, woe is me, the market's bad, the rates are bad, instead of I need to invest in this because it's out there. Yeah,
1: uh, you're you're spot on. And and two things on that. One, I've been with enterprise carriers and... (laughs) Uh, in many ways, they have money, but they're doing some very bad, old school way of running those businesses. And I, and I, uh, I, I do think that uh, those small fleets that are getting their hands on innovative uh, technology that is, as you say, coming to the industry, are actually having better not not only UX/UI, not only better experience. They actually have Better technology than uh, leading carriers. Uh, not only they need to believe on that. Um, what I what I uh, what I do acknowledge is this is a huge industry um, where uh, there's a lot of companies trying to sell something uh, to uh, small trucking companies, and so not only there is a lot of noise. I think generally speaking, um, small trucking companies have the feeling and have gone through bad experiences of companies and people uh, selling an idea, selling a vision, selling a result uh, that actually never gets to them. And so when you think about a company that has maybe three or four trucks. And uh, four or five families depend on that. And they rely on someone that sold them into maybe uh, something that is not entirely true and they don't see those results uh, and they end up in a bad situation. Now it becomes a trust issue um, when you think about and when you talk to Uh, not only drivers, company owners, dispatchers, when you ask them about brokers and shippers, uh, there's this general idea that all brokers are bad and they should not exist because they are always taking uh, something out of them. Actually, yes, there are bad brokers out there. There are bad shippers out there. There are bad um, uh, trucking companies out there. Uh, that's where there is an important piece to it where you need to really think about who do you want to do business, who do you want to trust? And again, trust is not an easy um, a, an easy hoop to jump uh, through because uh, you probably um, are very skeptical of all the things are out there of another either technology company or discount company or coupon company that are trying to sell something, and you end up feeling that everybody wants to take advantage out of you, right? I mean, when it's detention, they don't want to pay detention. And so when it's layover, they don't want to pay layover. And so at the end of the day, it's all on me and everybody wants to take advantage. So how do companies Uh, jump through that trust issue is an important, and how do small trucking companies um, really can assess who to trust is another component on the entire industry being successful, and the entire uh, um, small and mid-sized carriers having an actual leverage to be successful in a world where uh, you need uh, you need tools and resources to be able to compete.
0: So let's say I have a fleet, five trucks. I don't have a tech stack. I'm you know, still trying to figure out how to grow and expand. From a feature standpoint, because some of these folks have been burned in the past, what are some of the things they need to look for from a provider or someone who's offering these TMS systems that are the features they need versus maybe it's kind of like a broker where they'll give you half of what you need, but they're also getting something out of you?
1: Yeah, one, one thing that uh, we, um, we focus a lot is in simplicity. The industry is already complex uh, enough. Um, your job, if you're a dispatcher, if you're an owner-operator you're dispatching yourself, uh, is complex enough uh, to have tools that bring more work into that. So um, we like to say that the simpler, the better, um and so we look at not only building, but we look at customers that like that simplicity. that's, uh, that's one. Uh, the second one is reliability in, in all sense, that you can, that you can rely on that system or that partner or that vendor to always be there and reliable. Uh, but genuinely, genuinely, uh, reliable. And what that means is when I have an issue, when I'm in the heat of the moment, when it's Friday afternoon and I need to get a load just to have my trucks um, be um, be on the road through the weekend. and you know that brokers, after five pm, they're not going to answer the phones, that you have a reliable partner. And then the third one is uh, a partner a, or a solution that is going to allow you to gain scale for you to be able to compete. Uh, At the end of the day, you are the one that makes the final decisions. You run your company. You should be able to run the company in the way that you like and that you need to run the company. You just need support and you just need the right partner in order for you to take the company uh, to the levels that you want to take
0: the company. And kind of wrapping things up as well, uh, got about a minute-ish left. Uh, anything on the horizon you're most excited about in the tech development that are gonna help these small fleets compete? Anything new we should be paying attention to or watching in the next few months?
1: Yeah, I think there's uh, there's a bunch of things uh, happening in the ecosystem, uh, but what I'm uh, most excited about is that interconnection between operations and payments. Uh, the entire flow of payments coming together into one experience uh, and not having to have scattered um, solutions across the board, that, uh, but rather that you can operate your business and integrate that with the payments flow, uh, AR and AP of your business that's what gets me really excited. And there's a big developments around fintech as a whole, but the interconnection between um, payments and operations is uh, is really, really exciting.
0: Super exciting. 20 seconds left. Folks want to learn more about SmartHop, get in touch. What's the best way to find out?
1: Best way is to go into our site, uh, smarthop.com. You have all the information there, and we'll be happy to. Uh, to get on a phone call or sign you up.
0: Guillermo, appreciate your time as always. This is really, really cool stuff as well. And hopefully we'll uh, we'll get some more folks uh, seeing the future. We're catching up. It's not like the 80s anymore.
1: Yeah, thank you so much,
0: Damas. That's a wrap for today. If you're just joining us, though, catch us on Spotify and YouTube, wherever you may find podcasts. And as well, newsletter comes out Thursdays, 2 p.m. com slash loaded and rolling. That's it for this week. Catch you next week. We'll do it live.